Everybody's working. With that time, yours. We've officially entered the offseason because today on the show, we're talking about what we're going to do to Eric Bieniemy's advisors if he goes to Colorado. And we're going to talk about Chris Jones for the second of 24 consecutive shows. Welcome to Times Ours, baby. Let's get into it. Uh, it's all of the three of us. We're all here. You know this at this point. Uh, what I will remind everyone right now off the top is that these Monday episodes, these are continuing throughout the offseason and they're all going to be free for everybody. So if you know somebody who's craving some more Chiefs content through the offseason, season. Let them know about Time Czars. I'm Josh Briscoe. You'll hear Nate, you'll hear Nate, you will hear Nate Taylor. We're all professionals. You'll hear Nate Taylor woo. right here. You, that was his woo. <laughs> and then Seth Kaiser will make a funny quip about my inability to say that sentence in three, two, one. You're not the boss of me. There we go. Love it. How are you guys? You guys, you guys good? I texted Ugh. you all at I texted you all at like eight PM last night about topics and then again at about seven AM this morning and I never heard from either of yeah. you. <laughs> yeah, we ghosted you. <laughs> look, look, I, I I know what's what you know, the straw that stirs this drink, okay? It is unpredictability and you know, even if we were to agree to something, I'll change it fifteen minutes later. <laughs> um but no, I'm I'm great. It's uh, I hope everyone had a lovely Valentine's Day weekend. Um, I, yeah, so to, uh, fortify your point here, Josh, if Eric B. Enemy leaves Patrick Mahomes, Andy <laughs> Reid in the Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs for a five and seven, I believe, Colorado program, albeit his alma mater, I would have serious questions. Uh, when, you know, he is the poster child as of this moment to be like, you know, he represents the NFL Rudy rule. He represents the uh, the hopes and dreams of every minority uh, offensive coordinator coach or, you know, whoever aspires to be this. If he takes Colorado um, and to be fair, he can do whatever he want. He has already won the Super Bowl. Um, clearly, you know, about seven to eight NFL owners said no to him, uh, which was also stupid. Um, not like, you know, and I know my my buddy Mike Sando has made this point um, on podcasts such as like the lead in terms of the really rule, but like, Hey, won't you dabble in college? Guess what kids? It's even more worse than the NFL uh, in terms of like hiring minority uh, candidates. So, I mean, he can do whatever he wants. This is not personal. I would just seriously wonder what was behind the decision. If he was to leave again, Patrick Hose, Andy Reid, Super Bowl champion chiefs. Um, but yeah, if that's, you know, we, we are going to be here every Monday. Uh, I assume that there will be news starting next week when, you know, we're in Indianapolis at the combine. But if we get news that Airbnb leaves, best believe I, I would be in favor of having a podcast in reaction to this to be like, what is going on? Uh, but Hey, you know, um, you know, per a report from Adder Schefter, Eric Bieniemy is doing his due diligence, I believe is what I read. And what I took from that is, is there a way for me to to uh, to, to get more control of whatever yeah. I need to have here in Kansas City versus do I actually want to go back to recruiting 17-year-old kids not named Maurice Jones-Drew? Yeah, uh, doing my due diligence to figure if I can get a raise somehow through this. That feels... Yeah. If, I would... That's what I would advise his advisors to advise that's, him. That's good advice. Uh, for the for backstory, in case we are your uh, only avenue for Chiefs content, 
Um, Mel Tucker was the coach at Colorado. He tweeted this uh, on February 8th, quote, while I am flattered to be considered for the HC job at MSU underscore football, I am committed to at CU Buffs football for hashtag the build of our program. It's great athletes, coaches, and supporters. Hashtag unfinished business. Hashtag go Buffs. We are hashtag relentless. Hashtag culture. Hashtag the build for a second time, I would add. And then uh, I think three days later, he took the Michigan State job. College sports, everybody. Yeah, because Michigan State was like, Michigan State was like, so you telling me you're not gonna take this money? Okay, let, let me let me <laughs> let me call somebody and we'll we'll call you back. Um, yeah, uh, Michigan State was hashtag relentless in its pursuit of Mel Tucker. <laughs> clearly, and so Colorado hashtag the build of more money. Yeah, and so Colorado and and by the way, who who saw this coming uh, when they clicked on the podcast button uh, four minutes ago? But Colorado in its <laughs> uh, in its wake of you know somewhat embarrassing, but like hey, Michigan State's a big program comparable to you hey we gotta get we gotta get some we gotta get a name out there uh <laughs> checking checking the numbers checking the information <laughs> eric Vietnamese, who we fired uh however many years ago i think it was six or seven years ago yeah let's, let's bring him back out let, let, let's throw his name out there <laughs> like can we at least call him to see how much it would cost that we don't have or we would have to call boosters advisors you know mm-hmm. Um, business associates uh, to get that money. Yeah, let's just uh, get his name out there. Get his name out there. Um, so if again, if he takes this job, uh, I would be somewhat surprised, <laughs> given everything we've learned about Eric Bieniemy, and I would be sad that every Thursday I would not hear um, the platitudes and phil- philosophy of Eric Bieniemy. Um, it would it would it would dampen our product to you because you know EB is an orator who is so good at this that like he's great and awesome and great and awesome again at the same time and then you know has the ability to like turn it around and flip it on his head and say oh yeah we were watching film of the 1948 Michigan Wolverines and uh, that's how we beat right. the <laughs> that's how we beat the San Francisco 49ers one thing and Seth I promise I'm gonna let you talk here in like two seconds. Um, one, one thing that, that struck me as this topic was going around the first time earlier, uh, last week was the idea that, well, listen, if he wants to be a head coach, you should take a head coaching job twofold here. One is if, if you just had a coach ready to take a job, let's make it, I don't know, Mike Kafka. And you said that the chief's offensive coordinator job was opening or the head coaching job at Colorado was opening which one do you think would be a quicker path to being an NFL head coach? If you think it's the second one, you're an idiot. Like, you're not paying attention. If you're like, oh, no, Colorado head coach, that'll get you there quicker. Because we have extremely recent history um, where Doug Peterson and Matt Nagy were in the exact same spot, except didn't win a Super Bowl and didn't coach Patrick Mahomes. Eric Bieniemy has done this for two years, and his quarterback won the MVP and then the Super Bowl MVP while winning the Super Bowl. I, 
I don't know. I mean, if we're just playing spot the difference between Doug Peterson, Matt Nagy, and Eric Bieniemy, I'm just, I don't know. I can't see any. I can't figure out anything that might come between those three. I don't know. Maybe, maybe, the, maybe the guy who actually has been more accomplished, believe it or not, maybe he needs to go take a pretty crummy uh, college head coaching job before he can get considered. It's bonkers, man. It's absolutely ridiculous. And if he wanted to, by the way, like if he wanted this job, he literally... He very well could have taken it last year. Mm -hmm. Like, this job was open last Mm -hmm. year. And since then, he's done nothing but NFL head coaching interviews, no college interviews. Of course, like, if he wants to go to college and and recruit 17-year-olds for a living, um, he would probably move on from Colorado pretty quickly if he wanted to continue going up the ranks there. But he could also get a better entry-level spot than this. So... I, I've I've been baffled by this whole thing and all of the takes about him needing to go be a head coach before getting to be a head coach in, in the NFL because we did not apply that to Doug Peterson and Matt Nagy. Seth, would you like to say anything? Is, was that was that like all the takes, or was that just one person who tweeted that and everyone ran with it? Oh no, there was to play devil's it advocate. Wasn't, it wasn't all of the takes, but there's a there was a lot of it, like. Um, like Michael Lombardi, who is not an idiot, tweeted about that. I I only ended up writing down like a handful of them. Sure, um, but no, I mean, there's been a there's been a wide variety of of opinions on it, and I've been largely baffled by them. Right. So this is one of those cases where I think um, I'll play I'll play devil's advocate just because I've decided that I'm bored with non chaos today. <laughs> Now, I'm not going to play devil's advocate for him taking this. Oh, I was like, I was like, let's buckle up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was like, wow. Seth, go ahead. Seth's about to fire off some takes. I think if I were to, if, you know, because we talked about this a few weeks ago, right? Where I I gave what I think for me was a rather sincere and impassioned plea to at least, like, play spot the difference a little bit and at least consider that there's some stuff going on here that isn't okay, right? It's that he was a running back. Yeah, that he was a running back. I think That's it, right? what, the one thing we did talk about that week is that one thing that hadn't happened yet was before Nagy and Peterson got hired, there was like that mid-year rumor mill, right? Yes, like, you know, continue, Andy Seth. Reed's, yes. Yeah, yeah. Sources yeah. sources say that Andy Reid's given up play calling to Matt Nagy. Sources say that, you know, you know to Doug Peterson too. And so then what happened this year is as people were considering Eric Bieniemy, people were saying, well, no, he's not calling the plays. And then, of course, then there was a backlash to that, like people showing pictures of him, like in video clips of him, you know, like holding the play sheet, <laughs> which I don't know. <laughs> that, that seems like he's probably calling some of the plays. And then, you know, Andy Reid kind of went out and was like, well, yeah, you know, he helps me call the plays. But basically, the, the you know, his same joke always, right? All the good plays are the ones he calls, Right. So if someone were to try to stretch, right? Because I try to be fair to people. If I were to try to stretch, it's that that rumor mill didn't start. But the thing is, that rumor mill was always dumb and bogus with Peterson and Nagy. Mm-hmm. And anyone who didn't see right through that, mm-hmm. there's no way. I, maybe I'm crazy. But there is no way people who are actually involved in the NFL thought that Nagy and Peterson were really flat out, 100%, no supervision, calling the place in Andy Reid's offense. There's no way they thought that. I mean, at least I don't think so. You'd have to be not dumb, but willfully ignorant to believe that, that, Reed, that, that Reed allowed anyone ever 
to an unsupervised call the plays in his offense. And and why would he? He's awesome at it, right? So if I were to play, if I were to play devil's advocate, I would say if I were to try to spot a difference besides the obvious one that is what has people pretty fired up, and I think right the enemy's so. bald. Is it that? Is it that he's bald? Well, Matt Nagy was also pretty. Yeah, bald. yeah, Nagy was pretty bald too. I I would say maybe that's one difference. If we're trying again, I try to be fair to people. I always try to not assume the worst. But it does look bad. I think that one thing is that, you know, you haven't had those rumors. The problem with that is it's pretty easy to discount those rumors. Because, again, you know, again, you know, we're hearing that it's actually... Do you remember <laughs> Do you remember in the back half of the 2016 season where people are like, well, the offense is looking better. It's because Doug Peterson's calling the place now. Yep. <laughs> and, then, and, then it, and then it was like, Andy Reid must have taken over in the, in the back half of the playoff game. And that's why it was bad. Yes. <laughs> it was like, guys... Andy Reid never gave that up. Guys, guys, what are we doing? And so that that's my one maybe difference, but that shouldn't really be a difference. The other one, if I were really to push back, if I were to really be galaxy brain about this, I would say that coaching Patrick Mahomes might hurt you as much as help you, as opposed to like being the offensive coordinator that helps Alex that helps Alex Smith become way better than he's ever been right because Patrick Mahomes has kind of developed into this mythological figure to where everyone you hear getting credit is the it's a list of two for the most part right it's Andy Reid and Alex Smith Mm -hmm. and so it could be that people are like well, I mean, yeah, he's he was he, you know, and Patrick Mahomes had this incredible season. But I mean, you know, are we going to credit Aaron Rodgers as offensive coordinator? Are we going to say, "Oh, wow, he must be a genius." Well, no. Are we going to credit Dan who was Dan Marino's offensive coordinator in 1984? Quick. Mm. I mean, and I so was -10. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, can I say Don Shula? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think and you're probably correct. And and that's the thing, right? The head coach, because everyone knows that was Shula's offense. Yes. So if we're trying to be fair to people, maybe that's why they're saying, oh, he's got to get out of the, the comfy confines of this incredibly well-set-up situation. So there's my devil's advocate argument. That said, uh, no, come on. Like what? It, it's like he's going to prove that he's going to prove that he can head coach at the NFL level by head coaching at the college level, which is very different. Head coaching at the so college different. level is much more about recruiting. It's it's not I mean it's just a different ball game. And so I think that was a, I'm going to I'm going to be fair to people who had that take and say I think it was a well-intentioned take with them considering the devil's advocate arguments much more strongly than I do. Here's here's my here's my follow up. I think that the '84 Dolphins didn't actually have an offensive coordinator. Hey man, Don Shula, I think it must go. Have just been Shula. Uh, yeah. here, here, <laughs> Don Shula don't care. Here's here's my here's my follow up to to Seth's point about uh about the whole so and so is calling the plays now. It always came in like mid November. It always came with like <laughs> mm-hmm. coming off a loss. Mm-hmm. We just got back on track with a win and. It always had the 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 sprinkling of some new concepts that clearly yeah. were part of like said assistant coaches, you know, development and understanding. You know, there's a whole idea about the whiteboard and that you bring a new idea each week. If you see something on film, if you see something at the high school level, college, hey, even if you got to go back to 1984 or 1948. Um, so 
specifically with Matt Nagy, it was clear that like, ooh, that's a wrinkle I had not seen this year. Ooh, Matt, oh, Matt, Matt Nagy brought that. Oh, Matt Nagy brought that to light. And they just went from losing to the Jets and the Giants. Oh, and they beat. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And are we calling plays now? Get him to the front of the assistant coach hiring list. <laughs> yeah. So, like, I mean, this is this this was how it was done, and I felt bad for Andy because it was like you're playing the game because you're trying to help your guy uh, reach his, his, you know, one of his career goals, and he chose not to do that with the enemy this year because of what Seth and I have just um, sort of uh, unveiled to everybody from a, from an audio standpoint about like, yeah, yeah I mean, clearly you bring an idea to Andy, Andy sees it and either scraps it or more develops it or says, okay, well, if we do this, is it off of this principle? Is it off this tendency? Can we get that on film first before we do this? That's the same with Patrick. That's the same with Eric. That's the same. I assume with Matt Nagy. Doug Peterson, whoever. I mean, there's there's plays that Andy Heck, the offensive coordinator, or excuse me, the uh, the offensive line coach, offensive line coach is yeah. is a part of. Like Andy Heck mm-hmm. is out here, you know, doodling plays. So right. it's really anybody in the offense, which is I think the brilliance of Andy Reid is that he's willing to work with just about anyone who has a good idea, which like needs to be a part of his whole legacy building. Um, right. But yeah, the whole idea of like, well, you know, she's lost three or four kind of in a rough patch. Maybe the league's caught up to some of Andy's concepts, but you know, who brought some plays out this week? <laughs> you know? Ooh, yeah. It was Seth Kaiser, yeah. the new offensive coordinator. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> and you know what? That was, Seth Kaiser has uh, been under Andy Reid's wing now for quite a bit. You know, I'm just saying well, you might yeah, want to throw at, him out there. Look at that offense. Yeah, I mean, look, it, it looks fresh and new. If the Jacksonville Jaguars want to be innovative, they should give Andy Reid a call. <laughs> yeah. No, it's it, it really was a frustrating thing, and the the problem is, part of me thinks that Reid didn't do that this year just because he got tired of like trying to do that. Yes. Uh, see, it, yeah, and and I think Reed doesn't care. It, this sounds bad, but I don't think Reed cares what fans think. I think he's been doing this way too long to really care. But I can be, I could see him getting annoyed at like because I got annoyed with it. It's just like, well, you know, when, when the when the Chiefs lost to the Titans in the second half, the play calling was bad. <laughs> You know, and that it must have been Andy Reid took play call and control back from Matt. Nagy. <laughs> should we should we, like, should that we relitigate is... that 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 game? Because I will relitigate oh, that game, and that will be a hill that I will always die on. <laughs> I will freak out. I will just I will come unhinged, and I just that whole thing. I you know there was a lot that went on in that game, but you know what? The funny thing is that game is now just funny to talk about instead of sad because the Chiefs are Super Bowl champions. So who cares? Uh, and so it no longer has power over us. But I wonder if you're Andy Reid, if he's like, you know what? People keep giving credit to my assistants because I keep giving credit to my assistants. Maybe this one year I'm gonna keep credit for myself, and then we'll win the Super Bowl. I don't know, but the the idea that the enemy is somehow less involved in the offense and Peterson or Nagy is stupid and wrong, and. The, the idea that he needs to coach at Colorado, I don't know. I would be bummed if he left because I do think he's on the most direct course. And I, but I mean, I could, you know, alma maters have a big, they've got a, a power over people. And I assume he could make just as much money, maybe more, as a head coach of a college football program. Maybe not Colorado. I don't know. How much do those places pay? 
you would have to go to, I think, a premier program to get significantly yeah. more money than you would make at the NFL level um, right. as, like, one of the top assistants in terms of right. what you do as an offensive coordinator. Um, three points to lit- to relitigate to <laughs> the, <laughs> the wild card playoff oh, no. game between Chiefs well, Texans oh, no. or Chiefs Titans. What did I do? Excuse me. Here we go. Oh, no. Back out. Oh, um, oh, Darrell oh. Rivas was on the field, no. uh, made just about as a good – of a play as you could ask him to because, you know, he's not like he wasn't like Darrell Rivas. Darrell Rivas, he was like, hey, I'm on like the back end. I'm like on all 18 of my career. Um, hey, he got his he got his hands on the ball. He went right to Marcus Mariota and he scored a touchdown. That literally never happens in any other playoff game beyond the Chiefs 50 year whatever curse winning, you know, not winning the Super Bowl. Two, um, we always have to bring this man's name up. And I'm sorry, but Orson Charles was wide open on like a third down. <laughs> Alex Smith hit him right in the numbers. Ball dropped on the ground. Oh. Um, there's also a play, too, where um, Tyreek Hill was open in the middle of the field for what would have been uh, either close to a first down or a first down conversion. He also dropped the ball in the fourth quarter. Yeah. Um, did I mention that Travis Kelsey had a concussion to end the second quarter? Um yep. As they were getting Chris ready Jones to go up, was out. Yeah, yeah as, as they were getting ready to go up 21-3, Demarcus Robinson never got the ball after his touchdown. And um, you know, Albert Wilson, God bless him, uh alligator on the last complete, you know, possible completion to extend the game. So if you want to blame Alex Smith, by all means blame Alex Smith. Uh it was not Alex Smith's fault. The defense uh collapsed. Um, as you can imagine, Bob Sutton got somewhat predictable, and Derrick Henry was a monster even then. Uh, so yes, that will conclude my relitigation of that wild card game where everyone blames Alex Smith and everyone forgets that like, yeah, the entire team collapsed around him. Oh, Seth, whenever you're talking about the difference between Eric Bieniemy and those other guys, is it because Eric Bieniemy black? Oh, wow. I, was I actually, so I, I actually out. meant he didn't have facial hair like Nagy and Peterson. <laughs> Kind of have that manly Peter- stubble. I mean, Peterson. Peterson had a little, has a little bit of, like, sort of what drunk dad stubble. <laughs> yeah, it's not a lot, yeah, a little but... five o'clock shadow there going on. At least, whereas Bienemy's always been clean shaven. No, is Eric Bienemy black? He, you know, I just googled it. I just googled. <laughs> the, I didn't Google a picture. I googled is Eric Bienemy black, and I just said yeah. I just so, you know, Josh. Hey, the more I you know, people, fellas, the more you know. When when I look at people, I just see clear. <laughs> What is he, Larry Bird and and, and Lucy? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm so glad you got that reference. That makes me so happy. Larry's 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 translucent and it's horrible. Larry's clear. Come on, you know this, MJ. An all-time cameo (laughs) is Bill Murray in Space Jam. Like, that told me that in almost every comedy, there should be a cameo of Bill Murray playing Bill Murray. Because he did it in Zombieland, too. Yeah, there basically is. Yeah, no, yeah. That, that kind of happens. That, that is true. That is true. Bill Murray is basically always Bill Murray. But that, seriously, I will rewatch Space Jam for a lot of reasons. But that is one of them. Just if that golf scene is on, there are a lot of scenes. We should do like a movie podcast sometime during the middle of the off season. by the way. That could be fun. Anyway... That is one scene. There are some scenes, you know, if you're flipping through the channels, you have to stop and watch it, right? Like the of final course. gunfight scene in the final gunfight scene in Unforgiven, which Josh still hasn't watched, but whatever. No, um, you have to watch that. I mean, there, there's a zillion scenes like that. There's, I mean, I, I couldn't even think of all of them right now, but one of them is the golf scene in Space Jam. Where, where they're just all playing golf together and they do their back and forth. And then especially when when Jordan gets yanked underneath the ground and Bird and Murray just stare at the hole for a minute. 
What kind of camera is that? <laughs> <sighs> oh, classic stuff. We are going to talk about Chris Jones every single week yeah, for baby. Uh, the entire off season. And la- listen, if you didn't listen to last week's show, go listen to that if you want to know how Seth feels about the, the merit of keeping Chris Jones. Mm. But, Nate, I wanted to ask you the question that's popped up a, a lot this week for me. In fact, there's been I'll, – I'll, I'll show my hand a little bit. It feels like there's been some overwhelmingly negative perspectives on the Chiefs' ability to keep Chris Jones – um, today, this we can be brief in this regard, frankly, because we got some questions to get to and everything as well. Um, but what do you think? If I make you put like a percentage on it, what do you think the percent chance is that the Chiefs do ultimately keep Chris Jones, or and and why will will your percentage be what it is? Yeah, it's it's hovering around forty percent, and I think as we get closer to the combine, and I. Uh, hope to ask some people some questions and hope to hear some things. Um, it might be dwindling, fellas. I know that that is not what Seth Kaiser wants to hear right now. But there are there's Seth's going to be the, the issue is is there's going to be teams, and then you can say what do you value more over the other sort of possibility. But my understanding is there are going to be multiple teams that are more than willing to give up a first-round pick and an additional pick if he's tagged and then traded, much like Frank Clark was, much like, um, I mean, in some ways you don't, like, whatever the Chiefs do, don't do a Jadavian Conley situation in Houston where, you know, like, the head coach becomes the GM and then makes a terrible transaction right before the season starts because, you know, they can't figure out their situation with their uh, star pass rusher. I I just think there's a chance that, Mahomes, Sammy Watkins, and Chris Jones are they're they're these they're these items where your budget does not allow you to have all three in a sense, and you're going to have to make a difficult choice, and whatever choice you make impacts the next two guys, or the two choices you make with two guys impact the next one. Um you could stretch Chris Jones's contract. That can happen. You can extend him and stretch him with the understanding that the salary cap will rise, we assume, um, with the understanding that, you know, he's going to be made whole because he did what for you last year that a lot of players in his position wouldn't necessarily do in terms of, you know, getting to training camp on time, being a really good player, battling through an injury, winning you a championship. You know, it's just he has a lot of leverage his his representation has a lot of leverage to be fair if you wanted more players younger with more control of their futures for the next four to five years with the understanding that you're going to give Mahomes just a blank check basically um there's a chance where it just from a statistical standpoint doesn't make a lot of sense to keep him with the understanding that like you would be playing a multiple a multiple amount of guys high salaries um in an era where the NFL sort of condemns you for doing such if that makes sense the last part definitely does where and that's that's been the question for me since they traded for Frank Clark was just how much money do they want to spend on a defensive line 
the the thing that I find interesting, I mean, yeah, there's eventually a price where you could you could talk yourself into trading just about anybody who's not Patrick Mahomes, and it wouldn't be you know an enormous cap hit to trade because that you know that's like a little loophole. But I do wonder, I, I here like they weren't they weren't gonna pay D Ford. Period. Like that was obvious. So you get a second round pick, and you're like, yeah, fine, that's fine. We we are not keeping this player. So we'll take the best offer. Juxtaposing that to Chris Jones is really interesting mm-hmm. because if they've decided we're not going to pay this guy, then you're waiting on you're waiting on another team to give you the offer that that you just say this is probably as good as it's going to get. Or are they willing to pay Chris Jones and hoping to be blown away with an offer? That, that makes them move on. And obviously both of those things are going to play together regardless, I think, with Chris Jones. But I would almost, like they would have more leverage in the latter, but I would almost rather find out that it's the former where they just say, hey, we don't think we can make these numbers work or that it's worth making these numbers work. And so we're willing to take some offers just because I think that the odds of of getting, I mean, and Seth, you talked about this last week, and, and and I think this is still very salient. The odds of of even, let's say you get a first and a third, right? The odds of either of those guys replacing Chris Jones's value is wild, absolutely it's wild. minute. Yeah, it's wild, mm-hmm. but that's where you go from allocating talent from one position group to the next, um, where right. they may need to get better at the linebacker position or have a slightly improvement at cornerback. I mean, you're just to get so much worse than interior pass. Well, yeah, that's though. the like, issue, right? <laughs> I, I think they should have invested issue. more in the cornerback spot. Yeah, I'm terrified of the corners. I was terrified of the corners this year and ended up working out swimmingly with Breland and Ward. But it's it's I don't know, man. This isn't this isn't the argument for cutting Sammy Watkins, which is to get a little worse at receiver to improve elsewhere. Like this is sure. I this don't is, know. It's a big step. This, we saw this, it. It's it's a huge deal. Yeah. Go ahead, Nate. I like but, I like hearing your insight your insight on this because the fact that you feel as though that like I didn't know what you just said. I actually just tweeted that you're dropping insider bombs here. The idea that there are teams that are out like that the rumor is that there are teams that are like, yeah, dude, we'll give up a first for this guy. That can yeah, whether I like it or not. Yeah. And and they should. And so Nate, you go ahead and finish and then I've got a plethora of thoughts. A plethora, that's right. Okay. Yeah, it's look. I mean, the the benef- the benefit for Jones is that you just balled out in the Super Bowl where you didn't get a sack, but you were just as impactful, and the whole world watched it. Mm-hmm. Now, Chris will mm-hmm. say, "I did that with an organization that believed in me from the jump," which is true. And Chris can say that I want to be with the Chiefs, which is true. And I know there's that awkwardness. And I was not there, which you know, I, I'm, you know, I'm staying, you know, mindful and 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 trying to oversee everything. Um, shortly after the parade, and it's like, look, Chris Jones is going on this tour with fans, and it's symbolic and it's genuine. But I also feel too like it's a bit awkward because fans are literally asking for his autograph and then saying, "Please don't go, dog. Please yeah, yeah. don't do this. Please don't do this to me." Mm-hmm. But he really doesn't have control to some degree because there are thirty teams. That would be highly interested in him because they could either give up a high-level second-round pick or 
their first round pick, depending on where they are on the, on the draft right. board, that can be tantalizing for the Chiefs with the understanding that, like, if you hand him a contract offer and it's not structured the way he wants it, you're kind of pushed to go in a different direction. Right. And then if they give you, if this team gives you multiple picks that you consider to be value based on what your team needs elsewhere, it's a tough decision. Um, this will not be pretty uh, for fans, I feel like, moving forward. Because the the understanding is Jones is really good. The league knows it now. They've known it for two years. He's only going to get better, which is terrifying in some ways, if you put him in the right scheme with the right surrounding players. In the fact that he's entering his prime, um, that's highly valuable. And you hate to do this, and you and I know you know saying this early is not like you know I'm saying early in the offseason is not like astronomically like brilliant or anything. But it's tough to like tell Patrick Mahomes, oh, you're the greatest quarterback of all time at this age with this many accomplishments, like reigning MVP. Then you win the Super Bowl and become the Super Bowl MVP. Can you not uh, take all the money possible? Because the Players Association will tell you to take every dime available to you. Um, but like, you know, there's a whole Tom Brady thing. And so like what he does unfortunately will impact the future of the franchise, which clearly involves Chris Jones's ability to either remain with the team or not. And it's not, in some ways it's not fair. Cause like we don't work in jobs to that degree that do that type of uh, mechanics in terms of like, Hey, there's a whole salary cap at blank company. And like, if you take 22% of the cap or more, you basically screwed your court work. Right. <laughs> so like, I don't, mm. I don't know. It's, it, it's hard to see how this plays out where everyone's happy. That is what I can tell fans moving forward. Right. You're not going to be happy about something. That, it's just they won a championship, and these are the problems that happen once you win a championship with relatively young players who are all entering their prime around the same time, which complicates contract issues. Um, I, I agree. This is kind of like the fun tax. So there's a few things, and I know we got to get to questions. So there's, there's a couple things here. I went on my Chris Jones rant regarding how good he is last week, so I won't do that again today. Um, obviously it's a devastating loss to the defense as good as Frank Clark was down the stretch. And I think Clark is maybe a slightly more consistent player when he's healthy, right? Like maybe just a tad more consistent than Jones, which isn't a knock on Jones because Clark is an elite player, but Jones, even, you know, even taking Matthew into account, I think Jones is the best defensive player on the team. He's the one who can like take over entire quarters. And like you said, Nate, the whole world saw it. And it's like, man, he didn't even need to collect a sack to dominate that game. Right. That's incredible. And he dominated. It's worth taking into account. There are a lot of pretty decent teams out there that have a crap ton of cap space. Like a ridiculous, absurd Mm -hmm. amount of cap space. Like take like the Indianapolis Colts who had a lot of injuries last year. And then obviously with Andrew Luck retiring and they're not sure whether, you know, you know, Brissett is really the guy. They were still pretty decent last year for a while, right? Before kind of tapering off at the end. They've got like a hundred million dollars to spend, right? And pick 13 if the Chiefs want to hold out for Yeah, man, that would be. That would be tough to see it's them pretty give high. It up. But they, they have some other picks that they can give up. Yeah, I know. You know, the the Raiders, I, I just don't see teams doing interdivision trades like that. Um, and oh my God, please don't trade tra- Yeah, not a, I would you, you, Yeah, I would say or it would take like yeah. 
uh, a Dorset Hall from like the Oakland Raiders. Yeah. Say, hey, John, give me everything. Yeah, it would take because <laughs> the Chiefs couldn't afford to trade Jones and then have him have awesome games against them for years. Which I'm sorry, Jones against the Chiefs interior line is terrifying. Like, well, they see it in practice. Yeah, every week, so don't, yeah, don't, they don't worry. they know they know what would happen. Anyway, so there are a lot of teams out there that can pay Jones what he wants. With regards to Jones. Just for fans to understand this, Jones was a second-round pick, so it's not like he's made this incredible amount of money. Yes, it's more than you and I probably make, but he also has a skill set you and I don't have. So let's just move past this anger at the player thing, okay? he If he's looking for the upper-tier defensive tackle money, like just say, let's say just south of Aaron Donald money, because it's tough to really ask for Aaron Donald money because no one's Aaron Donald, right? That's kind of the unfair Correct. standard that everyone gets. I think everyone understands that, including agents. It's like, you can't ask for Aaron Donald yes. money. But he can ask for Fletcher Cox money. He can certainly ask for more than Fletcher Cox money because Fletcher Cox got paid a couple years ago. So all that makes sense. And the Chiefs hesitating to pay that, I get it. Um, especially if teams are willing to give something up because this is not D Ford. Josh, you made the comparison there. D Ford was a guy they were never going to pay. And now when you hear some of the players, man, they, they had some stuff to say, like during the championship parade and like during, like, it was like, man, people were kind of mad at D Ford, which such a, such a scapegoat for, yeah, it's easy. It's easy to be mad, and and obviously that was a tough one because it really was like a direct like. I mean, he even lined up offsides a couple times during the Super Bowl for San Francisco. Like, it didn't get called, but he did, and I was. It's wild to me, but anyway, it, it's not the same thing because Ford had one really good pass rushing year in which he was still kind of a liability against the run and not like a liability the way some people claim Chris Jones is a liability, but like an actual liability, liability against the run. And it was just the one year. And then he had some injury riddled years and non-productive. Chris Jones has been elite for three straight years. Like this is a very different situation. You're going to get different offers. And from a team building perspective, I get it. I won't like it at all, but I get it. The thing that I was going to just throw in there, and it's more complicated than this, but people who are afraid of salary cap issues, go to over the cap, just just Google, just Google over the cap, cap calculator, right? Now, the numbers aren't exact, right? Because it's always going to be a little bit goofy, but they take into account the carryover that the Chiefs had from last year. Just now, as we were talking, I saved the Chiefs $30 million dollars under the cap next year without cutting one yep. hot. Oh, yeah. Can I guess? Yep. Sammy Watkins. Yep. LDT. Yep. Dan Sorensen. I don't think you would have cut Damian Williams. Nope. I don't think you I did. cut the other Damian. Um, I know he's on that list, though. Ooh. Damian Wilson. Oh, Damian Wilson. I, I saw that he was a decent cut, but the Chiefs need linebackers they do. very badly. Correct. That, um, oh, you Cam Irving. It. So cutting. Now, here's the deal. Every one of these guys that you name, because, you know, Dan Sorensen was a playoff hero. I get that. Dan Sorensen is one-tenth the player Chris Jones is. And, and again, I appreciate Dan Sorensen, but you can repl- these are all guys that you can replace. Yep. You can replace. I think you can replace Damian yep. Wilson. You can replace Cam Irving, although you're going to need a glue guy. You're going to need, because Cam Irving is in every celebration that you can find. Hey, man. Hey, Cam, Cam worked his whole life yeah. for this. And 
he, you know, Cam understands the spotlight. And look, you know, shout out yeah. to Cam Irvin, man. Smart dude. Just a very smart dude who can play multiple positions on an offensive line when you need him as a Absolutely. spot starter. We have now established that him starting every game for 16 games may be a little up and down. But from a sp- it's stop, less than great. Yeah, from a stop, spot starter standpoint, you know, he's like that six six pitcher. You know, you just bring yeah. him up. You know, he he's a yeah. He'll carry. He it. will he will celebrate like crazy. He managed to finesse his way into being one of the guys dumping Gatorade on yes, Andy Reid. I respect incredible. that. I respect awesome. that. Hey, he did. But anyway, he didn't play, so he 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 knew he knew what his contributions yep. needed to be. So he, shout out to he Cam. Knew it. Yeah, yeah. Good for you. You need those guys, but that guy can be replaced, right? Dan Sorensen, his skill set can be replaced. There are there are forty safeties in the league that can do what Dan Sorensen does. There just are. And again, I respect Dan Sorensen, crazy hard worker. I imagine if I said this on Twitter, Tyron Matthew would quote tweet me and just own the crap out of me. If I, you know what I mean? High if I, football IQ, coaches, kids, sneaky athletic. Gritty, gritty. Oh, stop it. He is all of those things. So come on. And, and look, he played his best. Could get a head coaching job before Eric Bieniemy does. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's quite accurate of you anyway so but you can replace you can replace dan Sorensen's skill set as great as he played in the playoffs and look hey clutch matters i'll give you that he made some clutch plays in the playoffs but yeah, everybody re- loves dan Sorensen. i get it yeah but he can replace but and so then then sammy watkins again played great in the playoffs you can replace his skill set you cut these let me what is this five guys and Laurent Duvarney Tardif, who I didn't, he did not play well this year. I haven't charted his snaps, but when I did chart other offensive linemen, man, did LDT keep popping up and not in a good way. So you got five guys there, and every one of them, if you name them, you can see people like, well, now you got to replace, you know, you, now you got to find a right guard. It's not hard to find a subpar right guard. It's yeah. not hard to find a fourth receiver. Or, or, it's you, not or, hard you, to f- or you could prioritize them on your draft board, which may Absolutely. be occurring. Absolutely. It's not hard to find a third safety because remember, Juan Thornhill's going to get healthy. Um, you know, Armani Watts it can play safety. They've got some dudes in the background there that can play safety. Cam Irving, all these guys can be replaced. So you're talking, if anytime you want to talk about cap relief, the Chiefs need the cap space, just keep in mind. They can save 30 million bucks against the cap next year, cutting five guys whose combined contributions are much easier to replace than Chris Jones. So that's worth noting. But again, if you're the Chiefs and you got to think about the cap stuff, you got to think about all these things, and people are offering a high pick, that's tough. The Colts also, just for the record, the Colts also have 44 and 34. If we're just going to keep looking at Chris Ballard. Seeing that, yeah, I mean, like, it's one thing if a team's like, oh, yeah, we'll give you our second pick. But, like, if there's, like, a tangible thing where rather than, like, a second-round pick in the future like the Niners did, which has turned into a garbage second-round pick, unfortunately. Yep. Um, but, like, like, if the Colts say, hey, we've got the four- 34th and 44th pick here, that's tough. Those are good picks. And, yes, the odds of them being remotely as good as Jones aren't great. But if Jones is saying, hey, I want Frank Clark money, and the Chiefs are saying we absolutely know we're not going to give you Frank Clark money – you know, those are tough decisions that I'm glad I don't have to make. Last point I'll make on this too, um, before we get to questions, um, this goes all the way up to Clark Hunt too. I kind of forgot about him or didn't include him in the, in my points earlier. Uh, Clark Hunt was, you know, once they got the quarterback, 
and it was clear that Andy Reid was willing to, you know, assist the idea of Brett Veach becoming the general manager, who at the time was the youngest assistant or the youngest general manager in the league before uh, this last coaching uh, hire from both coaches and executive standpoints. Um, it's been clear that the last two years, uh, Clark Hunt has been willing to pay money to be one of the topper echelon teams that have reached the cap. Not not reached it, but like come close, I guess, is the better way of saying it. It's like one of the highest paid teams mm-hmm. in the NFL. You make a decision like this to keep Chris Jones and to pay Patrick Mahomes and to uh, whether you want to restructure with Sammy Watkins, which is, you know, I, I guess a possibility in all these things. And you got to, you know, get a, you, you will have a first round pick for the first time. Since Patrick Mahomes, we all assume with the 32nd pick, right? For now. They're not going to trade back. They're not going to trade back. Although that's what the Patriots would do all the time after they won the Super Bowl. That's true. So just remind yourself that on draft night, night one, you may be waiting around for nothing if you're a Chiefs fan. Um, (laughs) Unless they, you know, franchise and trade uh, Chris Jones. But that will come back to Clark Hunt, which is my point. How much is Clark Hunt willing to spay? Uh, pay, excuse me, there's not a luxury tax sort of penalty like there is in, like, you know, baseball and basketball, but you can reach pretty much the cap before training camp. And then if things happen, you can always maneuver and move some things around um, to keep you from not being penalized from the league as you get closer to the end of the regular season. But you can get to the cap by training camp if you wanted to. And some teams have done that with the clear understanding, we trying to win championships. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. But, like, how much does Clark Hunt, based on his business, based on his portfolio, the the brand going international, based on Super Bowl, Mexico City, London, all that stuff, Patrick Mahomes, how much are you willing to to pay um, to stay at the top of the league because – in some ways, it doesn't correlate to championships or it's not the exact results. But being competitive does mean you have to be willing to pay money in which, like, the, you know, Cincinnati Bengals are not doing at this moment. Uh, Seth has an article up right now on Damian Williams' uh, film review on his uh, Super Bowl performance. Seth, do you want to just give a tease and tell people why they should go read that? Um, because I have a family to feed people. Don't be selfish. Um, no. Oh, okay. An actual reason. Um, I just kind of detail some of the things everyone knows about some of the bigger runs that Williams broke, which, Hey, good for him. Williams is going to go down as scoring two of the biggest touchdowns and maybe the two biggest touchdowns in franchise history. Right, I mean the one to take the I mean, lead at least in fifty years. Yeah, yeah at least I mean, in fifty years. What he, what he, and what he and Anthony Sherman did <laughs> was just—it's yeah, an all-timer. Good for them. Although I, I actually wrote about this, like, so Williams contributed in a lot of other ways, showing his versatility, his pass protection played a really important role in that game. Because yeah, I know Mahomes was getting hurt out there, like he was getting hit, but he would have gotten killed without a few blocks that Damian Williams laid. Yeah. Um. So I wrote about that, how he's a perfect fit for the offense. Um. But I did write with that final play where he ran for the touchdown. It's kind of ironic that a guy whose contributions part of them are he's such a smart player and he always makes the right play. It's kind of ironic that like the biggest the play of his career that's going to get replayed the most is him actually making the wrong play because mm-hmm. he really should have taken a dive and you see it on the mic'd up because it's focused on Travis Kelsey and you see Mitch Schwartz behind him gesturing get down get down and no look way. if Mitch if Mitch Schwartz is gesturing for you to do something it's the right thing in football that's always the correct thing to do but 
so that's funny to me because really the if you look in terms of likelihood of a comeback, Williams scoring the touchdown there actually kind of helped the 49ers as opposed to just getting a first down. But that said, you score, he played. A, you got to score that ball, though. Yeah, yeah. No, that said, you saw it. Like as soon as he started, you saw he's like, no, nah, no, nah, I'm running this thing. They in. said I could win you, the MVP if I get in the end zone, kids. Yeah, yeah <laughs> right. They, they, Mitch Holthus will say that I run to immortality. I, yes. I mean, I'm yeah. doing that. Yeah, he, I'm running he, to immortality. Yeah, he's not gonna say that if you if you if you take the whole Madden like, hey, I'm gonna run along the uh, the the end zone yep, line yep, and, and then and, and then not do Brendan Stokely and not go into the end zone. I'm He's just... kneeled to immortality. That's nothing. Yep. And I, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he kneels to immortality. That's right. And hey, good on you. Much like with Cam Irving, good for you, Damian Williams. Run to immortality, dude. But it is funny that that's because really, had he just like sprinted to the five yard line and then, you know, slid, that would have been the better play. But whatever. Good for him. He made a bunch of low key contributions that I think kind of got unnoticed. So I wrote about that. I did that with Mitch Schwartz, too. Just a bunch of players. I've got a couple more left to go. Then I'm going to turn forward. But I'm still enjoying the Super Bowl, honestly. I think that's fair, Seth. I think that's okay. I think that makes sense. Because as you mentioned at one point, because you even forgot, the Chiefs did win that. They did play in that <laughs> game and then also win it, which is pretty good. Uh, I tweeted out requests for some questions very, very early this morning slash late last night, and we got a bunch of them. So let's uh, rapid fire through a handful of questions. What do you guys say? Let's do it. Yeah. Uh, you guys watching the XFL from Andrew and also Dylan. What have you thought of anything you've watched? Choose your team, and is there anything in the in the rules that you would like to see the NFL be willing to adopt? Can I get on the field interviews after throwing a god awful pick? Can oh I get god. these interviews? They're so good. <laughs> Matt McGowan got benched because of his interview. Like, that happened. He said they needed to get rid of their whole game plan this weekend, and then he came back out benched. Oh, that's all I that's that's the I only just, thing I want. I do I did appreciate it, sadly, you know, as my child was, you know, napping. I was watching LA versus Dallas and was thinking like, I need somebody to really go for the three point. Uh, play. Yes. And they did yes, it. it. I hate Mark Trust. And it worked. And I was like, you know, someone's gonna find the statistical inefficiency here and just go for the three point play every time after every touchdown. So those are my thoughts. You know, it's not gonna be it's not gonna be damn Mark Tressman <laughs> and my stupid Tampa Bay Vipers. <laughs> they can bleep off forever. They're killing me. <laughs> Seth? Um, I have not been watching. I I, can't I have assume a lot. That. Yeah, I have, I, like really have I have a lot of kids. I have a lot of kids. I I just I have a lot going on, and so I I can have one sports league that I'm obsessed with, and my wife gives me that because she's a saint. But um, I do fo- I have followed along some of the rule things. I would love to see the NFL do a three point play after a touchdown, but that's because my team is quarterbacked by Patrick <laughs> Mahomes. Yeah, like that's why. Do you want to know why that'll never happen? Along with like you know the idea people have floated about you know instead of an onside kick having like a fourth and fifteen from your own thirty five or whatever. You know why that'll never happen in the NFL because of Patrick Mahomes. No team, they'll just be like, no, because if you're the Chiefs, you do both of those every time, and you try to play make it, take it, see if you can go up 27 nothing on some team, and they would. You know they would. You know it'd be like 36 nothing with 10 minutes left in the first quarter. Seth, Bill O'Brien is hearing this idea. It is petrified at the moment. <laughs> Oh, I mean, yeah, he also, just... I don't think they would, though. Like, they don't go for two every time. They don't go for two ever. 
I think you're giving Andy Reid too much credit on that front, honestly. I think I think he is Andy Reid is both offensive wizard and like verified football guy. I think they're kicking that extra point. I think they're kicking the ball away, and I think we're I moving just, on. There was some guy who kept going for it on fourth down in the Super Bowl, and I think that that was Mr. Reed. I'd call him Dr. Reed if I could. Anyway, it fourth and 15. You're at midfield. Hey, just get them down 24 nothing <laughs> and let all the fireworks start. Just, you know, <laughs> hey, fellas, that's it. Oh, no, we I get nine it. points per possession. Oh, let's go. Yes. Yeah, let's just like, we are going to see if we can score 90 points in an NFL game. And, and I would be, be out of the realm of possibility. Anyway, I like those, those two things. I also like the kickoff. I think that's a really common sense. Yeah. Um, approach to a problem. That said, I don't know if they can do the kickoff in the NFL the way they do in the XFL. And part of it is like you saw like Tyreek Hill and McCole Hardman were like on Twitter like salivating at the idea of guys not being allowed to move until they've caught the ball. Yeah. And I, I, I'm looking at that the way that they lined it up. It's like an extended run play, basically. I just I feel like Tyreek Hill would house like 15 oh kickoffs. Uh, did you, you, in that you, system. you, you may have missed this, uh, Seth. Uh, opening weekend, this was last Saturday, I think the first game between the da- Washington, D.C. defenders versus the Seattle Dragons. Um, by the way, I need to do voiceover work for the NFL, XFL. Um, you do. At one point in like the second quarter, I am on Twitter uh, consuming this the way that, you know, uh, starved. Football fans are craving this just, you know, the week after the Super Bowl. And mm-hmm. basically, uh, I think it was McCole Hartman. I'll double check this one. McCole Hartman was like, oh, you, see, oh, this new kickoff rule. Hey! <laughs> <laughs> and then Tyreek Hill, like, quote tweeted him and been like, dog, if they do that in the, in the NFL, we are housing every attempt. <laughs> so, yes, even that like is, the, yeah. the Chiefs top two returners. Saw what the XFL was doing and was like, "Who can I get? What lobbying firm can I can I purchase <laughs> on commission to get this idea to the NFL yeah. level?" Because like Tyreek Hill was like, <laughs> "I would score on every kick return." I think they would too, because and so I'm not sure if it's quite built for some of those super duper stars that return. So maybe, but that's what I would take from the rule book. I could see some version of it. I think I could see a middle ground of some sort trying to just shorten up the kickoffs. I think that makes sense. What I love is the bigger punishments for touchbacks and even like punts out of bounds, apparently, um, trying to make it even more obvious that you should go for it on fourth down more often. That That's just it's just, it's just holding coaches' hands. Like, hey, you really do want to go for it here, and we're just going to give you a bigger punishment if you don't, and the punt goes into the end zone. That I love. Um, I got multiple questions from multiple people about Seth tasing me this offseason. And uh, I'll say this. I accidentally made a taser bet on the radio with Alec Lewis, also of The Athletic, uh, saying <laughs> that if Alex Gordon plays in a playoff game as a Kansas City Royal ever again, that, uh, that I'll get tased. So I guess you can be rooting for the Royals now, Seth. You know, uh, Josh, I don't... <laughs> what I like is the fact that you kind of want this to happen. <laughs> I want the attention of There's, both yeah, making it the and then maybe getting zapped. There's no other explanation for why you keep tempting fate. I man, I wish you had made a taser bet about the Super Bowl. That would have been amazing. But I mean, I would have won it though, so I would have been fine. Right, right. And so, no, that's uh, we'll, we'll figure something out, good people. Um, that's Josh and I, we'll, we'll chat. We'll figure something out. Did you say you'll tase me? 
I said it's not really up to you if we'll figure oh. something out this offseason. If the uh, Chiefs trade Chris Jones, I will be very disappointed. Uh, um, <laughs> Matt, <laughs> Matt asks what our walk-up songs would be as we walk up to the plate. Ooh. Oh, man. I didn't know this was going to stump everybody. Wow. You know, I've thought about this. I have to pick one song. Mine would be Phil Collins in the air tonight, but on the little drum solo. It's just the trash can in the dugout, so I know what pitch is coming. (laughs) (laughs) Look. When when Holly showed me that that tweet, oh, <laughs> it's such a good, it's such, such a, good a good tweet. Video. And yeah, she's like, good. "Are they gonna take the championship away?" And I was like, "That's too easy, darling. They wouldn't do that. <laughs> they would never. Yeah. <laughs> would, yeah, that's... I mean, what common sense? Oh, they'll never do that. Um, I guess I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I, I I'd have to think about it. I mean. In my brain right now, I have the song Can I Kick It just playing in my head. So maybe, you know, uh, maybe some Fife and, and, you know, some Q-Tip. But I mean, like, uh, you know, I mean, Can I Kick It is a classic. So just put me down for Can I Kick It right now. Um, And, yeah, we'll go from there. Seth, Um, here I am to worship. Is that yours? No, mine. You know what? That would be really nice. However, I was thinking that uh, I was thinking, can I get a witness by 90s gospel music music legend Carmen might be one, which if that goes over everyone's head, who's I guarantee you someone's going to reply to this podcast saying Carmen. Yes. And that's going to be a great moment for me. Um, Or I've been listening a lot of your showmates. (laughs) <laughs> you know well you know I, you know what nope there's so many things the cop came into my mind to say that i didn't say anything. don't don't say it yep. yeah, yeah what, what no i was actually thinking lately i've been really obsessed with the greatest show uh as as a song which i think is like the best hype song ever someone made like a the greatest show you know the show song the greatest show greatest showman all that fun stuff yeah mm-hmm. um uh-huh. someone made a chief's hype video and they oh. did a really, yeah. Oh, look it up. Look up the Chiefs, the greatest show, and they did a good job with it. And that is a great hype video song, like great. And Still I think so that would be a lot of fun sad. to walk up to the plate on, you know, sliding your feet, pretending you're singing into the bat. I it would be wildly unpopular shtick with opponents. I think. I think that would be pretty good, actually. Um, here, Nate. Good luck with this one. Jason says, "Is it likely that Mahomes gets knee surgery during the off season?" No, uh, we were told we were told back in like, I think this is okay. This is like somewhat of an insider information, I guess, because uh, I don't know yes. if I ever really put it out because like the season was still ongoing um, and you don't know how it's necessarily going to end. But like I was told like kind of after Mexico, um, somewhere in like late November, early December, I believe um, we were kind of told that like if everything went fine, he didn't necessarily would knee surgery or that surgery would be over cautious based on what occurred on that field in Denver, which actually won them a championship. And the more I think about that, and I've, you know, I asked Brett Veach about this after the AFC championship game, like, Hey, how much of that run against the Titans makes you think about where he was, you know, October 17th, second quarter, just laying there on the ground. And so, um, because he stayed, I mean, I am not a medical expert, but my understanding is because he stayed still, because Dr. Uh, what's his name? I can't think of his name right now. Um, 
I will I will look this up earlier or later here in a few minutes. But because the doctor kept him where he was and they did it in such a quick manner and because Patrick Mahomes' body is not your body, all those things <laughs> lead one to believe that surgery would be over, would be overkill, not overkill, but like would be, would not necessarily be necessary. Yeah, yeah. In a sense where he could do it, but I mean, he played with the brace. That brace was taken off. He did fine. He took some hits in the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. and it doesn't it doesn't appear as if he will need surgery. Um, but if he has it, it wouldn't surprise me because like there are guys that play with injuries that we do not know about. It's just the way it is. And if somebody has surgery in the offseason, uh, they have either reduced what that injury actually was publicly during the season, or they just did not reveal it to you at all. So. With Mahomes' knee, I'd be somewhat surprised, but at the same time, you know, it's his body. There are doctors way better at this, and if that surgery extends his career, I wouldn't necessarily be... I don't think anybody should be like, oh, well, why did you do that? But based on what we saw from October to to the Super Bowl, I don't think he necessarily needs surgery. That's a that's a long answer, but I think that's the best way to sort of view it if, if you're thinking about that question towards this offseason. Uh, from Chief in Colorado, he would like a philosophy lesson on Pascal's wager, but applied the Chiefs football and in, instead of the existence of God. Um, and I would love to do that, but we are out of time, so we will uh, we'll, we'll we'll hold that one for next week. We'll put that one on ice. <laughs> we'll I'm out. physically hurt by the fact that we're not doing that one. <laughs> Uh, there are a, a ton of very good questions here that we just don't have time for today. We, I will save this uh, thread for next week, and we will te- keep taking questions because a lot of them are like very big picture throughout the course of the off season. So we will revisit this this, this uh, next week, later in the off season, whatever. As we continue to do these Monday shows, um, you can uh, follow all of us on Twitter at by Nate Taylor at Real MN Chiefs fan and at JB Briscoe. You can tweet with the hashtag. Times ours. Our episodes are weekly during the off season and free for everybody. So leave us a review in Apple Podcasts and tell a friend. Also, Nate, before we go, tell everybody about what you wrote this week that went up this morning that is not about the Chiefs on the Athletic. Yeah, it's becoming a annual tradition, I guess, because I did it this time last year as well. Um, but I hung out at the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum. On Thursday, they celebrated their 100th anniversary of the birth of the Negro National League. Um, I don't write about baseball often, but when I do, uh, it's relatively fun. Um, And so there's an interesting way that the Negro Leagues is trying to connect uh, baseball history with fans through art. Um, And so I wrote about art and baseball and socioeconomics and history and, um, you know, what people went through. A hundred years ago to uh, allow Jackie Robinson to obviously get to the major leagues. That is allow Patrick Mahomes to be the greatest black quarterback maybe we've ever seen of all time. And you should go out and read it. Um, But no, it's it's really, it's fascinating. I hope for uh, readers about, hey, um, there are images in this story of Negro League baseball players that you've never seen before. And uh, I find that to be interesting. And the artist uh, who accomplished this, um, you know, was willing to talk to me for about 30 minutes. And uh, and yeah, and so the New Orleans Baseball Museum is in Kansas City. That's why um, it's, it's, it's always easy for me to write about the Negro Leagues and how they are somewhat impactful today as they were back in the 1930s, 40s, 50s. Um, so, yeah, uh, go check it out. Seth, what's your plan for this week? 
Um, I am going to finally write about Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl, and then I think I'm going to do kind of a closeout. I- I'd love to write about everyone, right? But, you know, time doesn't always allow. I might just write about a few plays that people missed or a few kind of low-key things, like, you know, mm. other important players. Some of the, maybe a player two Kelsey did, a player two Tyreek Hill did. There were so many contributors that it's going to be impossible to get to all of them because the news cycle does move on, right? We got, you know, the combine starting, I think, next week. Uh, there's all yeah. kinds of things happening. And so this will be probably my last week, maybe early next week, writing about players in the Super Bowl. And then I'm going to move on talking about, I'm, I'm planning on doing a top 10 list of Brett Veach's best 10 moves as a general manager. And I'm excited. I haven't done a list, you know, hashtag lists, hashtag clickbait <laughs> in a long time. So I'm excited about that. All right. That's it. That's the show. Follow us, follow all of us on Twitter and leave the reviews. I said that already, but I'm saying it again because it's important to helping new people find this show during the offseason when you need that water. It's not a desert during the regular season. You can't you can't swing a cat without flaunt I don't that's a I don't understand that Good thing, it's Lord. You can't swing a you can't you can't swing dance with the cat. There we go. I, I made it safe for PETA. I PETA I PETA-ified um the the horrible Jeez. Uh, saying about swinging a dead cat to now you can't swing dance with a cat without finding some Chiefs content during the regular season well now it's the off season and you know who's still with you you know who's still being loyal you know who's bringing you that hashtag content in the off season we are so subscribe wherever you get your podcasts or just obviously just listen through the athletic app where then you can uh, find everything um, that we talk about on a weekly basis and everything that uh, everybody's still turning out during the offseason. All right, that's it. Nate, you can figure out how to end the show without talking about swinging cats. What's that sound? What's that, that sound, sound, Nate? That sound is a hundred and... I, I cannot believe I'm going to say this, but that sound you just heard is a is a um, target bag possessing 150 envelopes of five pieces of confetti that's going out to everybody who reached out last week. Uh, cannot thank you enough. Thank God I'm married to Holly Taylor, who helped organize and uh, direct this mission uh, in favor. There are a lot of people who who donated way more than we asked in terms of shipping, so thank you for that. Uh, we are going to try to find a organization to give that money towards. Um, but yeah, the confetti is going out today. Like, the moment I get off this podcast and put some shoes on, it's going to our United States Postal Service, and people are going to get five pieces of confetti that reached out soon enough to uh, honor five decades of not winning the Super Bowl. And I hope everybody (laughs) enjoys it. And thank you for listening to Times Ours. And if I didn't get to you, I'm so sorry, but I did not foresee 150 people reaching out (laughs) for confetti. And I also didn't think that we had that many, but thankfully we did based on um, the amount that I like swept up in like less than a minute at the Super Bowl. So this this concludes Confetti Talk, and uh, we will catch you all next week. Thanks. Welcome to Confetti is Yours. <laughs> <laughs>